This is KMTT. And this is Chodesh Elul, Tavshinayin, getting ready for Rosh Hashanah, Tavshinayin Aleph. We're starting some uh, new Sidrot, new uh, series for Chodesh Elul. And uh, today we're starting a once a week series, a short uh, series in the topic of Ahavat Hashem and Yirat Hashem. The uh, two mitzvot of the love of God and the fear of God, two intertwined, closely related mitzvot, but nonetheless counted as two mitzvot separately, uh, love of God and the fear of God. This is Ezubik, and I will be giving this series for the next few weeks. We're not going to cover every possible aspect of uh, the very complicated and very rich mitzvah of Havat Hashem. And in fact, if I was asking the question, what is the nature, what is the content, what is included, what exactly is the definition of Avat Hashem, it would be a very long and very complicated exposition of the incredibly varied amount of opinions in the tradition, in Rishonim, in Achronim, in Chazal as well, as to what exactly Avat Hashem consists of, what's the difference between Ava and Yirah. To some extent, I think it's fair to say that the number of different commentators, the number of different philosophers that are on the history of Judaism, that's the number of different opinions as to what Avat Hashem consists of. There are many different kinds of love in our own personal experience, and that is used as a basis for projecting as to what the love of Hashem is. And that's, that's not going to be my topic. I'm going to try to um, look into certain things that I think are clear in what Chazal are, um, to what Chazal are pushing us, to what Chazal are molding us, and to emphasize how those particular points are crucial for Avodat Hashem, and specifically, whether I mention this or not explicitly, but specifically in terms of our getting ready, in terms of our preparation, and our experience on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Habayim Aleinu Litova. I'd like to make a distinction between two basically different kinds of love. Love can be understood personally, a personal love, and love can be impersonal. Meaning, you can have love for another person or love for an object. What do we mean by an object? People can love places. You've gone on vacation, you've been on a mountaintop, and you, you fall in love with, with the Alps. You can love objects. You can love institutions. It's not a false thing, it's a true thing. I think it's fair to say that I, 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 I love Yeshivat Haratzion, where I've been teaching for the last 32 years. You can love ideologies. And most importantly, you can love values, meaning an ideal. For instance, people who are ethical, 
one might say, to some of them, that they have a love for ethics or for the good. What does it mean? A, 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 a deep-seated commitment to the ideal of the value of, of, of the good. And this last example, I think, is really uh, crucial to help us understand where am I going? Because when we speak of love of God, one can have a very deep and true love of God, but the kind of love we're talking about is not a personal love. It's an object love. God has an ideal. God has an institution. God has a value. But if you don't think of God as a person, then for sure your love of God is not a personal love. And we can take an example which um, is today perhaps uh, easier to understand because it doesn't actually exist. But uh, let's say we're living in a monarchy and the people are described as having a love of the king. So that could be two very different things. You can understand the king and the, the love that people have for the king is for the institution. They don't really know him as a person. So today, where we don't have kings and, and, and government is not meant to be that personalized, and despite the personal way in which elections are run in democracies, the government isn't personal. So the, the love of the people for the kingdom or for the king, where there would be a king, despite the fact that he's a person, the love wouldn't necessarily be personal. They admire him. They're grateful to him. But the love is, is for the institution of the, of the kingdom. Or, of course, it could be, since the king is a person, the love could be that of a person. And the love is personal. What do we mean when we say that there's a mitzvah of avat Hashem? And what, in fact, do we experience when more or less, some more, some less, according to our aspirations, we have, we engage in the love of God. I'll take my point right in the beginning. My point is that Chazal are, are, are driving us to understand Abbat Hashem as personal love, meaning God is a person. The word might be, for some people, somewhat uh, uh, abrasive, but it's to Chazal, I think it's, 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 it's really simple. The, the philosophical idea embedded here is simple. Yes, God is a person. Part, part of the uh, influence of starting with medieval philosophy and then later on, uh, later philosophy, ethical philosophy, all kinds of philosophies in religion have acted to, to intellectual people and maybe in, in terms of our experience in general to depersonalize God. Personal gods are considered in, 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 in certain kinds of philosophies to be primitive. Children think of God as being somebody, a person who can't see, but he's hiding behind the wall, has a long beard. But one halacha in the Torah which says that you don't have a picture of God. You, you can't give a portrait to God. Nor does God have a body. And then the philosophy which then comes on top of that has been perhaps training us for many, many years, perhaps hundreds of years, 
in a manner which depersonalizes God. So people believe in God as a force, as um, a, a, a ur-existence, something which underlies existence, an energy. There's a lot of science fiction that goes well with this as well. But when you meet somebody who says that he talks to God and listens to God and converses with God, you're going to think that maybe he's being a little bit primitive. But for Chazal, the personality of God, despite having no body and no picture, is a given. And in terms of education as well, we, we should first, despite the philosophic danger, we are first exposed to the language of the Torah and the language of Chazal, who speak of God as personal all the time. And only later you slowly and carefully, carefully, very carefully, Remember to de-physicalize those personifications, but you're not supposed to undermine the basic personality of God. Now let me prove that point in terms of specifically what we're talking about love. One difference between personal love and object love, impersonal love, is mutuality. We naturally, not exclusively, but we naturally associate personal love with mutual love. If a person A loves person B, we expect and hope, and we'll be disappointed if person B does not love person A. Now this mutuality is not merely reciprocity. It's not merely two different things. A loves B and B loves A. Because then there'll be no connection between them. It would be nice, but the expectation wouldn't exist. We mean more than reciprocity. We mean that it's mutual, meaning that there is a single unifying whole. Talking about people now. Two people are in love. It's a terrible tragedy, which can take place, I admit, that A loves B, but B does not love A. And we think there's something wrong, something, something has, has broken down in such a situation. But the kind of love, which when we normally speak about meaning uh, uh, love of two people, is that they love each other. That's one statement. That's not two statements. It's one statement. There's a mutual love which binds the two of them together. Now you'll say, oh, if that's what I mean, then is love of God a mutual love? We speak, I'm obligated to love God. What does it have to do with God's love for me? If it that all exists. And of course, medieval philosophers had trouble with the very conception of the love of God for humanity or for the Jews or for you personally. Okay, but this is my point. I'm not going to engage in medieval philosophy. Chazal have created for us a framework in which the mitzvah of the love of God is placed squarely in the love of God for us. And that framework is the bracha recited before Kriyat Avat Olam or Avar one in the morning, one in the evening, the Bracha which precedes Kriyachma and is in some sense the Bracha of Kriyachma. There's a, we're not going into the details, there's a controversy, Machloket Bishonim, as to whether or not the Birkat Avar is the Bracha of Kriyachma in the sense that Mitzvot have a Birkat HaMitzvah, 
or it's merely a framework which precedes Kriyat Shema and Kriyat Shema is embedded in the framework of Birkot Kriyat Shema. Everyone agrees that it's not an accident. There is a Birkot Kriyat Shema. The question is, is it a framework which has a number of parts, one of which is Kriyat Shema in the middle before, which is, 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 is Birkat Avarabah, or is it actually the Birkha on Kriyat Shema? The distinction uh, might be, some Mishan think, is whether or not uh, you can be mafsek, you can interrupt between and Kriyat Shema, for instance, in the Sidurim, it says to say, Kermelech Neman, or to answer Amen. And, and there's a Machlok that we should know about that point. But in any event, it doesn't make a difference. Even if it's the weaker version, even if it's a general framework in which Kriyat Shema is embedded in the framework of Bachot, the Bachot are still composed in order to create and delineate, delineate and explicate what Kriyat Shema is all about. They are called explicitly Bachot Kriyat Shema. What is the bracha which immediately precedes Kriyat Shema? It's a bracha which describes at length in the morning and somewhat shorter in Ma'ariv at night the love of God for the Jewish people. Ava Rabba Ahaftanu Hashem Elokeinu A great love, not just a love, but a great love. Have you, God, loved us? Chemla Gdola Vitenra A great, the word is usually used mercy, but but chemla means loving mercy. Viyatera, an excessive chamat alayna. And of course, the chatima, the bracha, the one line which says what the bracha is all about is, Habocher v'amo Yisrael b'yahavah, who has chosen his people Israel with love, and in ma'ariv, even simpler, Ohev amo Yisrael. Mesuch Sfarad, Ohev et amo Yisrael. God who loves His people Israel, or has chosen us, has chosen the Jewish people, with love. Now, why is that the bracha on Kriyachma? What's the connection between that God has chosen the Jewish people out of love, because He loves them, a great and excessive love, and what follows immediately, Shema Yisrael Hashem I believe the answer is that what Chazal are saying is that Kriyachma, which explicitly contains in the very second sentence the love of the Jew for God, the mitzvah, it's the source of the mitzvah, the commandment to love God. So Chazal, by writing Brachot, they create the framework. What do you mean the framework? Avat Hashem, the love of God, arises out of the situation, arises out of the existence, the framework of God's love of, of, of the Jews. He chooses the people of Israel with love. And therefore, therefore, I add the word therefore, we say, you are our God, and we accept upon ourselves that we should love God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our might. In other words, Chazal have placed the mitzvah of Avat Hashem as being an outgrowth, as being part of God's love for us. Now, God's 
if, if, if excuse me, if, if that is true, then we are speaking of personal love in the highest sense of the word. It's not just that you have to love God. Let's think about what that means. You love God because, as part, as an outgrowth, as a reaction, as as a complement, as the other side of the coin of the fact that God loves you. This, in fact, is stated rather explicitly in the Bacha. I will quote for uh, convenience from the shorter and somewhat simpler Bacha at the night. Avat Olam. Avat Olam. Aftanu. God loves us. A, a cosmic love. Torah mitzvot chukim lispatim otanu limata. Apparently the explicit content of that love was that you've given us a Torah. Al-Ken, it says, therefore. The word therefore, which I made up before, but it is in the Bacha. You have loved us and given us the Torah. Al-Ken, therefore. Hashem al-Kenu, nasiyach bechukecha. You've given us the Torah out of love, so therefore we will talk. It doesn't say we will learn Torah. Nasiyach bechukecha. Benismach. We will engage in Torah and we will rejoice. It's not doesn't have the word love yet, but what it's describing is the reaction of one who was in love. We will converse in your Torah and rejoice in your mitzvot. For they are our light. And your love don't do 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 not uh, uh, refrain, do not cease your love for us. The same thing in a more complicated manner, I'll leave this to you to read, is also found in the longer Ava, the longer Bacha in the morning. And it is more complicated, there is some extra themes there. But the same thing takes place. God loves us, He gives us the Torah, and therefore, therefore we do things. Therefore we learn Torah, therefore we respond. That statement is the introduction or the framework, and now the actual implementation. Close your eyes, put your hand over your eyes, and you say, I accept God as King. I think what I've just said is a bit of a challenge, uh, practically speaking. This means that when you say Birkot Kriyachma before Kriyachma, when you say the Bachav Avarabba before saying Kriyachma, you should be saying it with this kind of kavana. I am exposing myself, I'm, 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 I'm infusing myself with understanding that God loves the Jewish people. God loves me as part of the Jewish people. That's why we're saying this Bacha, to experience what the Bacha is all about. Because that's the necessary experiential ground in which you'll be, be able to fully say, experience, mean the words, The reason why you say this bracha before Kriyat Shema is to, is to wallow, is to, is, to, is to lie down in the bosom of God, to feel God's love for you. That's why you're saying this bracha. So you have to say it because we forget it from minute to minute. So you say, that perhaps explains the, the really excessive term, meaning the word excessive. You're, you're, you're saying the bracha to be able to feel the 
the overwhelming waves to be swept away in the waves of God's love. And why is that important now? Because Chazal want you to say Kriyat Shema with Kavana. They want you to fulfill the mitzvah that's implicit in Kriyat Shema with Kavana. And the reason why this is what you have to feel. You say this Bacha, it's because you're trying to, to sense in the fullest sense what Bacha is all about, God's love for, for the Jewish people, so that you'll be able to say Shema Yisrael Ve'ahavta in the deepest and most fullest manner. Now, why is this true? Let me ask another question. A famous question. Why did, in fact, God choose the Jews? Okay, I'm not asking the question, why did God choose the Jews and not the French? That's a question which is asked explicitly by the Torah in Pasha Vetchanan. And the Torah is a somewhat confusing and perhaps disappointing answer. It's not because you were so great. But because of Yaakov, and perhaps for another reason, and there are other reasons given in Chazal, I'm not asking why God chose the Jews. I'm asking God, why did God choose? Everybody else in the world, every other, almost every other religion in the world, all the major religions, think that if God has something to say, if God has an ideal, if God wants the world to be better, then He doesn't choose, because choosing is discriminatory. Religions are universal. The truth is for everybody. And Jewish history and Jewish religion and to some extent, Jewish problems, anti-Semitism, is based on the fact that God chose the Jews. He discriminated. Sefer Bereshit is about Bechira. The first two parashiyot are not about Bechira. God creates man and gives him mitzvot. But starting with Avam Avinu, there is this choice, or a better word, separation, Havdala. God distinguishes between Shabbat and Chol distinguishes between light and dark and distinguishes between Israel and the nations. And this drives the rest of the world crazy. They don't understand why. Why should God have done that? God chooses Avam Avinu, but then not even all of his children. He chooses Yitzchak and not Ki be Yitzchak He chooses Yitzchak but not Ishmael. And then not of all of Yitzchak's children. Be Yitzchak below Kol Yitzchak. He chooses Yaakov and not Esav, and only subsequently is all of Yaakov, B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yaakov, the chosen. Why is there Bechira at all? After all, philosophers, specifically of Chesed Kreskas, in Sefer Or Hashem, claims that the creation of the world is a manifestation of God's love of the world. God gives existence to the world for no reason, because the world doesn't deserve it. It didn't exist. There's no possible reason to explain why God gave the existence to the world out of justice. The world doesn't deserve to be created. Olam hesed yibaneh, the world is created from pure grace. And the Nefchase says, that is the ultimate expression of God's overwhelming love. That He does things for the world because He wants the world to have them, because He wants to give to the world, which is what love means, according to Nefchase Kreskas. So why doesn't our bracha begin? Avat olam, ahaftata olam, shabaratoto. You love the world for you have created, therefore we love you. But the answer is what everybody said. God's love of the world 
non-discriminatory love. He loves all things equally because he gives existence to all things and existence is the same thing. The same amount of existence is given to ants and amoebas and, and, and bugs and animals and plants and people and cosmic stellar objects like the sun and the moon. God grants existence to all of them. That is amazingly a tremendous amount of love. It's, it's infinite love because it bears no relationship whatsoever to, to what existed beforehand. But it's totally non-discriminatory. And therefore it's not personal love. And therefore it's not the basis for the mitzvah of Avat Hashem in the Torah. If God loves the world, it's because, the reason which Chastai Kreskas explains, God is good, it's institutional in the value of the good. God is good, and therefore He just gives everybody. He gives out. He gives. He gives because He wants to give. Teva hatov lehitiv. Especially used by Chastai Kreskas and afterwards by El Mesilat Yisharim, by the Ramchal. It's the nature of the good to do good, to create more, to give, to bestow out of love. That is love, true love, divine love, amazing amount of love. It's not personal love. God didn't create the ant because He loved the ant. He created the world because He wanted things to exist. Everything possible should exist. It's, it's almost mechanical in the sense that it's God's nature to grant existence to everything. Bechira, choosing for precisely the reason that philosophers and the nations of the world object to the choice of Israel, for precisely that reason, choosing is personal. And therefore, I'm not asking why God chose the Jews. Why God chose the Jews. There must be a reason. There could be more than one reason. But why did God choose it all? God chose it all because God is a person. And therefore God's love is also needs to be expressed as a personal love. And a personal love is directed towards another person. Personal love is by nature discriminatory. You don't ask why a man loves his wife. It's not fair to other women. It would be a joke, which I have actually heard some to say, I have so much love, therefore I love them all. You can have a lot of love and love humanity, but then you don't love the individuals, I'm not saying you love them less, but you don't love them personally. God, because He's God, because He's infinite love, but because he's infinite love of a person, of a divine person, therefore, God also loves personally, and that personal love will be expressed by binding itself to a chosen object. There's a medrash in the beginning of Lech Lecha, which describes the choosing of Abraham Avinu, and compares it to the picture of a, a um, pearl lost in the sand, and a person is sifting through the sand trying to find the pearl. 
So one point of Midrash is to explain why Avraham Avinu was chosen, because he was a pearl. He was better than the other grains, the other small round objects, grains of sand that are there. But the Midrash also describes how for ten generations before Avraham was born, since Noah, God has been sifting through the sand. It's a picture of God looking for that which he will want. When there was no Avinu, so Kaviachol, God's love was frustrated. He then he loved the world then also. He may have been upset that, that they were some of them were idolaters, but no, not all of them were idolaters. There was Shem, there was Eva, there were good people. Malkit said. But God didn't bind to them the way he bound to Avinu. And he was looking. He knew that. It wasn't that he met Avamavino and then we have this picture from modern romantic literature. You walk on the street, you see a woman and you fall in love. So I don't think that's a good picture of what happens between people, but I don't wish to say that about God. God didn't meet Avamavino and fell in love with him. He was looking from Avamavino. Because God had Kaviachol, had a need for a personal love, but he wasn't going to give it to someone who was not worthy of it. And therefore he needed to find someone like Avamavino who would be the single pearl in the infinite, in the infinite sands. Bechira ha-bocher ba'amo Yisrael be'ahava It's not two words which just happen to have been stuck into one sentence. Choosing the people of Israel was done be'ahava. The choosing is an act of ahava. And the ahava of choosing, the love expressed in choice, in choosing one person out of everyone to marry, or one people to bind himself to in the Brit, in the covenant, which of course is compared by Chazal to marriage, of God to Israel, is an expression not merely of love, but of personal love. And that metaphysical picture of God as being one who exhibits, one who has the trait of personal love, and that personal love has now been directed towards you, Israel, is the framework in which we have to understand our response. Our response, which is Ahavat Hashem, the love of God, has to be a response to that. It's not just love God, be for Him, feel good. It's Accept your side of the equation. Accept that you and God are bound in a personal relationship initiated by God through the Bechira, through the choice. But now, in response, you're part of it, not your separate action. That's the right thing to do. But your side, your reflection, your reflection of the love of God, the love that God exhibits is the love of God which you which you exhibit. This on one hand is a a a not simple burden first. I think it's much easier to say I love God and, and to mean it and to even feel it. But not personally. To have a personal love of God is difficult Specifically because we don't really meet him the way we meet other persons. We don't see him the way we see other persons. And it's sort of an idea which we've learned about in school. 
and believe in. But you don't love ideas in a personal manner. In order to have a personal love of God, you have to feel God's personality, which is exactly what I'm claiming the Bracha is about. That's why I say you have to wallow, you have to really feel, open yourself up to what this Bracha is saying. Look, God's taught you Torah. Look, God has done this, God has done that. Feel those things. and Feel them as God doing them out of His personal interest in you, His personal care for you, His personal love for you. And then you'll be able to develop and feel the corresponding love that one should have for God. Okay, that's it for today. We will continue uh, this point, specifically also to understand the role of Yir'ah, of the fear of God, the awe of God, which always comes together with the love of God in the coming Shiurim in the next few weeks. Kol Tuf.